Well, so cool to see you. It's so wonderful to be here this morning, able to share God's Word with you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed at the church. The church is such a cool thing. If you had told me 22 years ago when we arrived in this country that we would have a drummer from the Himalayas and an American singer and a Zimbabwean singer and two local lads, one from Bournemouth, a pool, and the other one from Surrey, leading worship, I would have not believed you. Isn't God good? All over the world, he's bringing his church together. And it was just so cool to be led this morning by people from all over the world. It's such a blessing. The church is an incredible thing. Let's never take the church for granted. Um, for those of you that are visiting, we are doing a series out of 1 Peter. And I'm going to continue uh, on that this morning. We're looking at chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at verse 9 and 10. But I just wanted to start by kind of just sharing a story uh, when we arrived many years ago, the first couple of weeks that we were here, we were invited by Mike Filavacci to a, a meeting at Soul Survivor where there was a prophetic guy called Wayne Drain. Unfortunate name, but, uh, but a great guy. And um, he prophesied of a number of people, including me, and when he... Um, prayed for me. He just laid his hands upon me and he said, God has made you into a foundation layer. You're going to lay foundations in people's lives and you're going to build the church. Didn't know me from a bar of soap. First time he'd seen me. And so ever since that day in my preaching, I'm trying to do that. I've tried to be faithful to that. I want to help to lay foundations in your life. The foundation of Jesus as the cornerstone and the foundation of the gospel that you would love, so love the gospel that it would completely transform your life. Everything about who you are, what you're going to become. And so I essentially see my ministry as a bricklayer, that I lay bricks every week. And so this is nothing flashy about my preaching. It's quite simple. But I hope this morning that you will have another brick laid in your life upon the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus, and that the living temple that you're part of would begin to grow and the grace of God would permeate in your life and continue to transform you. Amen. So we're going to read together. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says this, You are a chosen family, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Well, we should be able to just right there say, Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful thing. We can stop right there that you've done that. You've called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. And then he carries on, Peter, and he says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a beautiful encouragement to us this morning. Last week on Reformation Sunday, I spoke to you about Jesus, the great cornerstone of the church, uh, the the stone that was rejected by the builders actually was the most important, the capstone upon which the whole church uh, was built, the whole the new temple that Jesus has built with every single person that believes by faith. And remember, the context of this letter is Peter writing to uh, encourage persecuted Christians in Roman Asia, most of whom are Gentiles, people like you and me. And he urges them, he wants them to live well in a difficult time. And as you remember, we, at the very beginning, we said that it looked like it was going to get worse for them, not better. 
And you can see in the progression through Peter as he encourages them in different chapters that he encourages them, this might not change immediately, but I want you to live well right now. I want to help you to live on the foundation of Jesus in your life so you can live well in difficult times. And so my, the reason why we're doing this book is we want to learn to live well in, when times are difficult and, and things are not easy right now. But we can live well. We can live by faith. We can live with Jesus firmly planted in our lives, and it helps us to keep perspective in difficult times. And his encouragement, Peter, his encouragement to them is God wants to come and make his home in your heart. He wants to reside within you. He wants to live within you. And so he kind of encourages them that they're not only God's children, but also priests. And we had a look at some of these things last week. Clive mentioned again this morning, we are living sacrifices. We are, we're not only God's children. We're not only his sons and daughters. We are also priests in the new temple. And all of us in God's church have sacrifices to offer up as living sacrifice ourselves. We offer up prayer and praise and worship and giving and generous friendship as a, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice as the part of our, our entire lives that belong to Christ. And that's what he's encouraging us in. And so in these, in these um, verses today, Peter gives four simple little things again that are titles that he gives to us as God's family. All right? And they are very simple. Here they are. Um, we've, the first verse says, you are a chosen people. Um, it's translated differently in some translations. In the ESV, it translates it as you are a chosen race. In the NIV, it tra translates it as you are a chosen people. Michael Eaton, my friend, he translates directly from the Greek himself. And his, his, his kind of word that he likes to use is you are a chosen family. I love that. You are chosen family. It's essentially saying the same thing. You know, you're a group together that's been called. But what, what are the distinctives of, of a family? Well, um, a family is a group that's come from a common ancestor. ancestor. Uh, we are all offspring of our, our ancestors. But also families sometimes have, well, not sometimes, they often have characteristics that you can recognize about, well, I can see you from that family. Some families have curly hair. Some families have, are very tall. Some families, if you're Italian, you can recognize an Italian person. Why? Because they have common features that you can see they're from a family. Some people are dangerously good looking and the whole family is dangerously good looking. You can just say, oh, well, they're from that family. I can see your brother and your sister. There's something that characterizes us when we come from the same family. Isn't that true? And so this is what Peter is trying to get us to understand. As Christians, as part of God's family... We should all share common characteristics that people can see and say, Ah, I can see that you belong to Jesus' family. You are like him. I can, not perfectly. Uh, you're not perfectly Jesus. But I can see something of Jesus when I look at your life. Because he is reflected in how you live and what you value. Amen. That's what Peter's saying. We are God's family together, and as God's family, we show something of who Jesus is by who we are and how God is transforming our lives, and as He transforms us, it becomes evident to other people, and people should be able to say, oh, I see Jesus when I look at you. What an incredible thing. Secondly, 
Peter says this, you are God's royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Um, now, it's very interesting because there, there's a context here. Remember, Peter's a Jew, and he would understand Jewish history very well. And if you could read in the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 6, this is what God speaks over the entire people of Israel. He says this, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak over the Israelites. And so right in the, in the early history of, of Israel, the people of Israel, God's desire was that the entire nation would be a kingdom of priests for him. Now we know that never really happened because what really happened was that Levi, the, the, the priests were, came from one tribe, um, and, and not all the people were priests, but the God's desire right at the beginning was that everyone would be a priest. Every one of the nation of Israel would be a priest. And so the, 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 uh, in the New Covenant, uh, in terms of what Jesus has done for us, we, we see that actually that is now being fulfilled, that, that God says over all of us in the New Temple, you are my priests, every one of you. You are all living sacrifices to offer up uh, sacrifices to me. And so this is being fulfilled through the church, through the, the new temple that God has built. And all of us as Christians offer, offer up ourselves and we offer up a sacrifice of worship, etc., etc., as we've talked about. And so we pray because that's what Christians do. And that's what a living sacrifice, part of being a living sacrifice is to offer prayers on behalf of other people. And actually, if you think about it, we are in such a unique position as believers by faith. We are enjoy a position that Israel, the nation, never enjoyed. Why do I say that? Well, because we enjoy this. We are simultaneously priests, kings, sons and daughters, and servants, and children, all at the same time. Isn't that cool? That's the privilege we have as New Testament believers. We are simultaneously all of those things in God's kingdom. We are children and can know God as Father in the way that Old Testament believers didn't really. Some of them believed by faith, but there was a whole system of sacrifice that they had to go through in order to know God and be forgiven. We come boldly as sons and daughters because of the blood of Christ, and we can know Jesus and God our Father through Jesus in intimacy that they never knew in those days. What a privilege. What an amazing joy. We are a kingdom of priests. You are a priest. Offer up sacrifices through your life. Amen. Holy nation is the third thing um, that Peter says. They are a holy nation. That's the third title he gives them. I've already said to you that we emigrated 22 years ago from South Africa, part of the ongoing challenge of relocating to a different nation is that you have to learn to adopt the customs and traditions of um, the new place that you've adopted as your home. And so if you're an immigrant here today, you will know that that's a reality. And I soon discovered that even though I spoke English, a common language, I didn't really get some of the things that were being communicated to me. It took me a long time, and I'm still learning that actually when something is said, sometimes it means something completely different. And you have to learn the language. You have to learn the custom. You have to learn the tradition. You have to begin to understand a whole new way of viewing your life and the world. Amen? This is what it means to be an immigrant. And um, 
Uh, we still have some unique traditions in the UK. We still have a monarch that shapes our culture. Some think that shapes it positively. <laughs> Others think it shapes it negatively. But whatever your position, whatever your position, that's shaped our culture here in the UK in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. And so every nation has its own language, its own traditions, things that people are proud of about that nation. And so Peter is saying as Christians, we also have those things. We also have a unique language. We also have customs and traditions that form and give us a Christian identity in the world. And so we have a language and we have a king. He's not only a king, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of the universe. He is our king. He is our monarch who rules over our lives. We have a common language. What is our common language? Well, Peter told us. He said the common language we have as Christians is to declare the praises of him who has taken us out of darkness into his glorious light. That is the language we speak as Christians. We should be speaking about the goodness of God, what he's done, how he's forgiven us, that it should be bubbling out of us. That's our common language to declare the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his incredible, wonderful, amazing, transforming light. Common language. Common king. Common traditions. What is a tradition that we have, a custom that we have? I hope it's more or less a daily thing for you. To read your Bible, to pray, to think about other people in some kind of context where it's just you and God and He's, he's speaking to you. That's a common custom that we share. That's why we pray. That's why we read the Scripture. Why? Because it is something that builds us from the inside. I want to encourage you. I'm not trying to condemn anyone this morning, but I want to encourage you. Have a regular habit in your life of just you and God connecting through the Scripture and prayer and thinking about how your life can be effective for someone else as well. Common tradition that we all share. There's this beautiful uh, phrase that the, the New Testament uses as well, that we are Christ's ambassadors. Isn't that an amazing thought? that we represent Jesus to the world, to the community, in some very practical way. And I want to suggest to you also one of the outstanding traits of God's people is their spirituality. And what I mean by this is that we are loyal. We are loyal to a couple of basic things. We are loyal to the Scripture. We are not part of a tradition that's trying to undermine the Scripture. We are loyal to the Scripture. We are loyal to the Holy Spirit. We are saying day by day, Jesus, show me, lead me by your spirit. I want to be transformed by your spirit. We are loyal to the Holy Spirit. We are loyal in that we live by faith. We, we don't go up and down when, th when the world is going up and down. That there's a consistency in our lives that comes because our life is built upon the rock. Our life is built upon the cornerstone. His name is Jesus, and he brings a solidity to everything in our lives, our marriage, our parenting, how we view the world. Why? Because that's what he does for his sons and daughters. He says, I will take you out of the miry clay. I will put your feet on a solid rock, and you can depend on me, and you can confidently build your life on the rock that is Jesus. And what is the old thing that we learned as, as, uh, in Sunday school? He who builds his house on, on the rock, when the storm comes and the winds blows, he will not fall. That's the promise as we build our house on the rock of Jesus, the cornerstone. 
That's what it means to be a holy nation. It means that we are characterized. There's a common thing that characterizes every one of our lives. And I've tried to paint that picture for you this morning. Fourthly, God's promise is that his people are for his own possession. What does that mean, to be a people of God's own possession? Well, I've said it already, but let me say it more directly. God wants every one of us as believers to represent him to the world because nobody else does. The church, his people, are those that are called to represent him to the world. And so most people like to boast about their nation, don't they? Uh, what, what their country is good at. And, and they'll, they'll tell you how beautiful the country is, where they, where they come from. Or how good they are at rugby, for example. How they defeat whales all the time. <laughs> I just had to slip that in. That's harsh, isn't it? Because it was only the first time in about five attempts. That's true. So, that's true. But there is something all of us boast about our nation, don't we? We love people to see the good things about our nation. And, and that's exactly what Peter is saying. I want you to boast about the good things that God has done for you. Declare His praise. Speak about Him taking you out of darkness into light and how that's transformed your life. And then he says... Um, um, that, that uh, well, there's another scripture that I love which talks about the city that God is building whose foundation and architect is God. Have you ever traveled over Europe, into Europe and just had been awestruck by the architecture? It's one of the cool things about living in Europe, isn't it? That you can go to France or Italy and just be absolutely amazed by the things that people can build. And I love this scripture in particular because it says, hey, there's a city that God is building, and he is the architect. Can you imagine how beautiful this city is going to be that God is building? That is our heavenly home, the new Jerusalem that God is building. And Peter wants us to get excited and say to everyone, actually, I want to tell you about the home that we're anticipating. It is the most beautiful city, and actually, this place is good for you. It's good for everyone. Let me tell you about this place that God is building, the heavenly Jerusalem that he wants us to be part of as we believe by faith. Amen? This is what we boast about. And so what Peter really is talking about here is the wonder of being a citizen of heaven and the unity that we have in Christ. And, and so it's not like our holiness and our, removes us somehow from the world and we become these kind of like super spiritual, pharisaical people that look down on every other person that doesn't know Jesus and is kind of like got this sort of superior spirituality. It's, it's completely the opposite. Christian love, Christian holiness sends us into the world to say Jesus can transform your life and he loves you with a love that you will never understand. He loves you passionately, deeply, and this love that he has, he wants to lavish on your life. That's what true spirituality is. It's not removing yourself from the world. It's going into the world and telling of the love of Christ to every single person that will hear. Practically, that's what Peter says. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. Once you did not know his mercy, now you know his mercy. Take that mercy that's transformed your life and show people what Jesus has done for you. We have a peace. We have a new sense of purpose. We have a new sense of destiny because what God has done through Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen.
Last little thing I want to say to you, and then I'm going to share the finances. I'm sorry it's a little bit tighter this morning, but it's one of those mornings. Um, it's very interesting to me when you read the commentaries on this, script, on this, on this portion, um, uh, they speak about the language that Peter uses. And one of the things that Peter does quite casually is he, um, he takes words that were spoken over Israel and he applies them to the church. And the fascinating thing about that is that he does it, it's not just does it unselfconsciously, and he talks about these Christians as Israel. And that's very, very interesting. It's very important. And so these Old Testament things that would have been applied to the nation of Israel, he very kind of casually just applies them to the church. And what does that mean? Well, I want to say this. It doesn't mean that the church has replaced Israel. Israel has always been separate from the church in a fundamental way, and it's not the same thing, right? So he's not saying that the church has now completely replaced Israel. He's also not saying that the, the Old Testament pattern of what God did with Israel is automatically what the church must now try and imitate. He's not saying that either. What he is saying is this, is that the church, those that believe by faith, have been grafted into God's true Israel. All right? Not the nation of Israel, God's true Israel. Who was God's true Israel? Those that believed by faith. Who was the first one who believed by faith? Abraham. He, was, he believed by faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And everyone since Abraham has put their faith in Jesus is part of the true Israel of God. Amen? And that's what Peter's saying. It's not, we are not grafted into the nation of Israel. People get weird about Israel, all right? It's not about Israel. It's not about the nation. It's about the true Israel of God, and the true Israel of God are every single believer that has ever believed by faith. And if you have put your faith into Jesus, you are part of God's true Israel. And that has been grafted. We are all grafted into God's true Israel. And that's an incredible privilege that we have as believers, that we are heirs of all that was promised to Abraham, the first one who lived by faith. And what God had promised Abraham, through your seed, every nation of the world will be blessed. And we saw a little picture of that this morning. A drummer from the Himalayas, a singer from America, and two local boys. And a, oh, I forgot, Bison from Zimbabwe. This is fruit of the promise to Israel, that through your seed, through, uh, to, uh, well, the promise to Abraham, through your seed, every nation of the world will be blessed. Amen. What an incredible privilege we have that we declare the goodness of Him, the kindness of Him, who's called us out of darkness into His incredible light. I hope you're encouraged this morning, all right? That's the purpose that we have as Christ's sons and daughters, to declare His goodness to everyone that will hear. Amen.